0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the Matt Brown Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series where we're talking to CEOs all about their epic business blunders. And with us in the hot seat today uh, is Larry Hartman. He is the founder and CEO of an incredible company called ZRG, a global talent advisory firm. Larry, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here, Matt.
0: Yeah, the privilege is all mine, buddy. So look, let's get into the elevator pitch. What exactly are you guys up to over there at ZRG?
1: Yeah. So we're a private equity backed global talent advisory firm. So what that means is we do executive recruiting for C-suite roles for companies around the world. We do um, have a consulting business that helps companies deal with culture and strategy, and we solve problems with interim talent as well. So we kind of work with clients to figure out what's on their mind around people problems. And we've got quite a few ways we can help solve those problems so who are your customers typically are they
0: enterprise clients or are they everybody in between
1: yeah a a bit of a blend i mean we work with the you know microsoft ibm some of the big corporates we do a lot with private equity back clients so you know blackstone kkr apollo bain we work with their portfolio companies with leadership opportunities as well but then we have some interesting businesses we have a sports recruiting business that we do work around coaches and pro and college sports we just did the commissioner of the ncaa search that was an interesting one where we placed the sitting governor of massachusetts uh, Charlie Baker in the role of, of president. And so we get some interesting challenges in the entertainment area. We've done the presidents of CBS. We did the two co-presidents for CBS. And so we, we, uh, kind of span sectors and, uh, do some interesting work. And
0: you guys have been running for 22 years, I understand.
1: We have, and we've been, been at this for a while, although I'd say the last six, seven years have been a lot more fast growth. We raised some private equity capital about seven years ago, and it, it really took us on a, more of a, a rocket ship of growth since that time. Beautiful stuff. Well, look, Larry, uh, sounds like you're
0: doing incredible things over there, uh, but uh, we don't have time to double click on all those amazing solutions that you guys have. So let's uh, get into the meat and the potatoes, Larry, of this particular series. Uh, what is your epic story or feel for our audience around the world today?
1: Yeah, and I'll say it came in two chapters. So, I mean, for me, you know, I've had two businesses. My first business was in the financial service space that I grew, raised some capital, took it public, and now ZRG is similar. It was privately held. We raised some capital, and I, and I'd say the failures, you know, for the first one I would share is, you know, my first business, we got to a certain size of scale, about eighty million, and we wanted to go public. This was in my first my first business startup. And you know we went through the process. We had a great business, but underwriters just weren't interested. We went through three months of no's. We went through literally probably 150 no's from investment bankers. Don't like the business. Don't like the sector. Don't like this. Don't like that. And we were pretty frustrated. And it was literally on the third month and about when we were ready to give up, a single underwriter said, hey, we like this story. We're interested. And they ended up um, underwriting our business, took us public. We went from 80 million to 200 million, ended up selling it to American Express, all because I think we, we were willing to go through the failure of no's. And the parallel to that, you know, my current business, you know, we had a I'd call it a lifestyle business up till seven, eight years ago. We were 10 million in revenues, 25 employees, but I had a passion. I wanted to go out and and raise capital to scale the business. And um, I decided this time to go do the fundraise on my own. I didn't use a banker. We were small. And same experience. I mean, it went through, you know, a hundred no's to find that single private equity sponsor who said, don't necessarily like the sector. It's cyclical. The assets go down the elevator every night, but we think you're going to figure it out. And that led to, I mean, we were 10 million in revenues at the time. They underwrote us. They got us to 40 million. The next private equity firm now, we're 200 million. Like, it, it's been this common theme of, of being willing to fail at hearing no's to get to that one yes, when you believe you've got the right thing. So I think that to me would be the, the big, you know, the twice failure that led to success for me in, in terms of running businesses that we raised outside capital. Awesome. So
0: Larry, when you think about that whole experience, uh, all the no's, <clears throat> um, what do you, what do you uh, feel like that taught you as a business leader? What lesson do you take forward with you into your business today?
1: yeah and i think it's twofold on that piece so i mean i i think the i grew up and my background was i worked in inside sales as a young kid then i worked in outside sales and then i ran a business and so i was grounded in going through hearing no after no after no so it wasn't something strange when it came to thinking about starting a business and you know people not wanting what you have and then later into fundraising so i think you know just in general being willing to understand it—it it takes a lot of no's to get to yes. Um, but I'd say the second time when I when I raised capital, I, I mean, my learning I think was use an outside advisor. I mean, we could have used an outside in banker. We were kind of small. There were some who proposed. I thought I could do it myself. It took three, four, five months of my time away from other things. And so I think in hindsight, you know. Lean on outside advisors that bring expertise to a business that wants to scale, and you're going to get there faster. And you know, don't look at the cost. I mean, I thought I could probably do it myself. It was similar to running an executive search, contact 100 people, but it's time consuming. So I'd say lean on advisors, and and you know, just in anything you do, you know, if you're, you don't be afraid to no. know. Mm.
0: So Larry, I'm curious to double click on that um, when you're hearing no a hundred times. Uh, and you're on low, no number you know 93 and yeah. like how do you stay motivated like what narrative are you telling yourself when you know people are not believing what you believe they're not seeing the world the way that you see it you know and it's kind of like where do you go in, in your in in your inner game like in your mind like what's the narrative that you use to stay to get to that next no
1: yeah so and I, and I Preface it with, and I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs about this topic. And the market speaks, right? The market speaks to whether you have a viable product. They speak to whether you should be able to raise money. So at some point, you have to say the market says no. It's no, right? They're not buying your product. You're not ready to run to to fund, you know, to raise funding. So I think it's being realistic about setting a, a timeline. Say I'm going to spend three months on this fundraise, and I'm going to work the list hard. I'm going to see what happens at the end of that. I'm going to accept the answer, right? But I'm going to work hard to try to get the answer I want. And so I think that it's that combination of like, do I believe, what I have is real. Do I have the right people I'm calling on? And have I worked it to get to that? So I think it's just working Mm -hmm. that last 10% of a list, you know, in a process. And but then being realistic, as you know, Matt, I mean, a lot of people try to raise money, they don't have enough revenue, enough net income, they don't have the right leadership team, and they fail. And so like, it's not nothing wrong with trying, the market will give you feedback. But Five people's feedback isn't real feedback. You've got to be able to go deeper. And there is nuance, right, within people's appetite for investment for you know, a lot of things. So I think it's a combination of realism with, you know going pretty deep in what you're trying to do.
0: Mm. It's a really important point that um, I believe, like that one where if the market's not prepared to pay for the thing that you're selling, or they're not prepared to sign up for your newsletter, or they're not prepared to fill out a lead form or whatever, there's something systemically wrong with your assumptions and your beliefs about what the market, you know, or the prevailing market conditions are. Because the market will always pay for what it values. And so I think if you... And I think that's where pivoting needs to happen, right? Like that, That yes. okay, it's of, but obviously persevering is a very important, like, driver yeah. behind that. But it's like testing, messaging, testing, testing, testing until you win. Because if you don't go through that pain, you, you're never going to be successful.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's validating, too, with other smart people, what you're doing makes sense, right? I mean, I think, are you at a size and a level where you can raise money. Like, you know, for me, it was getting wisdom from others and saying who would be the investors for a $10 million revenue business that makes a million and a half dollars a year. Like there's a sea of investment. Like, is there a market? Are others doing that? Like, to me, it's, you know, you, you can't blaze a trail no one else has done when it comes to like, is there success within what I'm trying to do? So I think it's that piece around if others have done it, I always believed I could do it. You know, I think in terms of my first company, there were other public companies in our space that we were doing as much as they were that I, even though, you know, I believe it could happen. And, you know, so I I think it's that, you know, kind of a dose of reality going with persistence. And without the dose of reality, persistence can be futile, right? I mean, you got to be careful with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm a great believer in something called triangulation. I wrote about it in my first book, where if you, if you have an hypothesis about something, then you test it with people that either have bigger businesses than you or they, or that you respect in terms of their, you know, whatever, whatever your criteria is, but you're looking for someone to go, no, you're completely wrong. Like at least twice out of the three times, or you're looking for at least the majority of those three people that you trust to say, actually, I think you're right. It's just this idea of like, well, you are triangulating the truth because I don't think we actually ever operate in reality. It's just our own experience of what reality is at any, at any given point in time.
1: Yeah. I like think that's, that's dead on. I agree with that.
0: For sure. So Larry, if you could get into the uh, Matt Brown show time machine and, and kind of go back to yourself when you were at no number 93 <laughs> uh, and give yourself a piece of advice or maybe do something different, what would you do
1: differently and, and why? I mean, I, I it's a good question. And I think I've, been fortunate that the roads I've been down, the failures have led to learning, which has led to success. So, you know, so you know, I think in, in, uh, there is some value in in you know knocking your head against the wall and learning. So, I mean, I, to me it's taken me a while to figure some things out in my two businesses, right? I've been doing this 22 years. My first business was 17 years. But there's, to me, there's value in persistence and hard work to get where you're going. I'd say my advice is, and probably more to entrepreneurs, is that nothing good happens quick. You're going to have mistakes and fails and misses, little ones all through the way. But if you show up and do the work, and you're willing to grind away and bring your lunch pail to work every day, you create something that's good. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people are impatient, like things take five, seven years to turn into something you might want, right? And so I think on the entrepreneurial side, I'd say that, you know, on a CEO side, you know, I just say the learnings I've had there is, you know, There's different people that fit different stages of companies. You know, I've had companies that that have been startups, fast-growing private, Inc. 500, publicly traded. Then I worked for American Express. Talent fits a stage. There's people that are very good in a fast-growing early-stage company that fail in in a large company. There's, you know, large company people, and I've made this mistake. They have a great resume. They worked at a top brand for 20 years. You bring them into a scrappy environment And they fail. And so I think the advice, I think, in terms of matching talent, you know, to an organization is there's a big piece around culture and around the stage of the company that if you find that right fit. Right. If someone who fits the cultural elements, but also has been in that size and stage, they will be a lot more effective. And that took me a while to figure out uh, just through, you know, hiring hundreds and hundreds of people through the years. Mm. For sure.
0: Um, So Larry, what is your advice to other CEOs or entrepreneurs right now in terms of the importance of failing or failure in becoming successful?
1: Yeah, and I I bring it back to a mantra I I have on the wall of one of our conference rooms is that a, a, a good plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow and I think, you know, sometimes trying to get everything perfectly right is the enemy of progress and so, you know, set your course, get it 90% right, and go do it and learn and iterate, right? I mean, it's that triangulation you talk about that you learn from, you know, kind of what the market tells you. So I just think we're in an agile world where, you know, get out, test, learn, listen to customers. I think the customer drives business today and you've got to have an ear for a customer. And certainly the organizations that are so internally focused are missing what the customer is saying. And so um, I I think that, you know, fact is getting out and hearing what the market says plays into execution over, you know, excessive meetings and planning. Um, that would be that would be my wisdom.
0: Awesome stuff, Larry. What about books, tools, and resources that you recommend to the CEOs?
1: Um, couple things. I mean, I, I think you know what we had, we had a speaker at one of our conferences who wrote a great book called Chris Boss it's uh you know never split the difference uh, he's a hostage negotiator that wrote a book on negotiating and you know business is so much of negotiation uh, it was a great read and had some some really valuable ideas that are counter to maybe traditional thinking that's uh, i think probably the top one i'd say is fresh thinking that uh, I, I, absolutely recommend that, uh, uh, everybody read.
0: Awesome stuff. Yeah. I read his book. It's a very good yeah. book. Yeah. How does he speak? Yeah.
1: Does he speak well? He's great. Interesting stories. I mean, how do you not want to hear a guy who's got stories of, you know, freeing hostages at the eleventh <laughs> hour when life's on the line and converting that into, you know, business. But the business stuff's amazing. We, you know, the stuff he's been able to help my team and just in little techniques has been has been important. And as you know, I mean, we're negotiating all day long in business. So yeah. anything you can do to sharpen your saw there, I think is valuable stuff. Awesome, man.
0: Larry, you're an absolute legend. Thank you so much. That does conclude your time in the hot seats. Appreciate you coming on the show and lending your perspective. Uh, Wishing you you, uh, another 20 years of success, dude.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Matt. Appreciate the time. And uh, thanks for all you're doing.
0: Anytime. Everybody else, we'll see you again soon. Cheers. Cheers.